Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 594 of Underground Sports Philadelphia Live from Underground Studios. It's KB and Matt coming at you. We got a nice little show for you tonight, talking some Eagles, talking some Sixers, some Flyers, and whatever else may come up. We also have a fun little topic as well as tomorrow is the anniversary of one of the biggest Philadelphia free agent signings of our lifetimes, so we'll talk about that and dive down memory lane a little bit uh but before we get started make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground phi on twitter instagram tiktok threads we've been a little bit more active on theirs they have made a lot of updates to make it a lot more user friendly uh so definitely check us out on threads at underground phi facebook.com slash underground sports phi and if you want to watch the show before it goes out anywhere else on wednesdays for thursday's episode it's twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you consume your audio podcasts from. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps us reach more milestones and lets us do more dope stuff for and with you guys listening at home. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, full video episodes of every podcast on our network, clips, shorts, live streams, and all original video content we're putting out is over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 668 subscribers as of this recording. Trying to get to 700 before that ball drops on New Year's Eve. So continue subscribing, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and leave a comment down below on your thoughts on everything Matt and I discuss on tonight's episode. And of course, this show is presented by the City of Vineland and the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Finally, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. What's going on, Matt? I'm living the dream. We, uh, we had quite a weekend ourselves as the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Pontari Dom, got married and uh, to his lovely wife, Monica, finally Tying the knot and had ourselves quite the time for the the second uh, marriage of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a very fun weekend. Um, Sunday morning was a little rough for me <laughs> on a on a personal note, but um, yeah, great time and it was a fantastic wedding. 
two people we both uh, have endless amounts of love for. So congrats to Dom and Monica um, as they are enjoying their their mini moon down in Cape May, and uh, many many happy and bountiful years to come for them. Um, Matt, the Eagles, we are we're on to Seattle as uh, the. The Cowboys game didn't go as planned, obviously, as the Eagles lost uh, to Dallas on Sunday Night Football. But we're on to Seattle, and it's brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company, the best merch partners in the game. If you guys want to stay warm this hoodie season uh, and bundled up, whether you're out on the town or at home watching the Birds, the Flyers, Sixers, the Wings, uh, go get yourself an Underground Sports Philadelphia hoodie to do it in. We've got podcast merch for all of our franchises at Underground Sports Philadelphia at phiapparel.co, as well as t-shirts. Got some new stuff coming uh, in the very near future. And the best Philly sports merch that is unique uh, and designed for all so that you stand out in the crowd. Go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go get your merch phiapparel.co and use code underground at checkout for 10% off your order game was flexed like we uh kind of predicted and had hypothesized about a couple weeks ago so eagles playing on monday night football this week they get an extra day of rest uh and they flex out the chiefs and the patriots but a game that could look a little different not sure if geno smith is going to be all systems go so it could be drew Locke uh in their quarterback for the seahawks but a game where the Eagles desperately need to bounce back as they currently uh, are out of first place via tiebreaker and head-to-head and all that good stuff with the Cowboys, and they are currently not the number one seed in the NFC as we speak. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough loss for that reason. I think the 49ers-Cowboys, as part of this stretch run, were kind of the two games you didn't want to lose for that reason. Uh, you now lose out on uh, both tiebreakers to, to both teams. I don't know how the Cowboys one gets settled because it's it goes division record. Yeah, so there's right? like three tiebreakers before, but the last one that favors the Eagles, which is what would determine it as of right now, is conference record. Yeah. And because the Cowboys earlier this year lost to the Cardinals, uh, the Eagles have a better conference record than the Cowboys. So the Eagles, if things remain tied, they would win the division. Yeah, so... Um, that's that's obviously the challenging part, and it's another week too where the offense, some like herky jerky stuff, and a cute a few like key like fumbles and in in bad spots too that didn't help. Um, you know, I, I think it's always going to be hard to judge that game based off that. But this is also what the Eagles and Cowboys do every year, which is split, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, pretty much a home team usually wins in those matchups. So not too surprising in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's frustrating i think the last two weeks have kind of really taken you back down to earth as an eagles fan but like you said looking forward to seattle um geno smith it's a groin injury you know that's something that can be hard to recover from and that's also something we've seen time and time again guys get re-injured through the course of the game and the seahawks have also been struggling this year so it's a good bounce back and you know when you look at the rest of the schedule you have the giants twice and the cardinals you feel pretty good about being able to run the slate um and Listen, you know, you, you kind of just have to, to hope that you get a little bit of help. You know, 49ers still have a big test against the Vikings. You know, that's that's not going to be easy. Cowboys this week have uh, the Bills. That's going to be a great game. You know, the Bills team that almost beat the Eagles too. So it's uh, 
it's never fun losing to Dallas. Um, but I, I think it didn't really come as a surprise either. It felt like going into that game that this is a real possibility. And um, like we said, you know, it's, it's kind of taking the Eagles back down to earth. I think the biggest thing to keep perspective on, though, is that this is new going into this run. There was a really hard stretch of the schedule. Like, it was just kind of an aberration. Like, you don't get these most years, like where you have like six straight weeks of just insane competition. Um, it's not unreasonable to say that between the Dolphins and the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the 49ers, um, that and even the Bills at that matter. even even the Bills if the Bills make the playoffs, I would say the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. But all, all those teams you played are teams that if they're there in early February, you're not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. I, I would not be surprised if any of those teams, um, and uh, a few of them like the Cowboys and the 49ers will absolutely be favorites to make it out of the conference. Chiefs are always going to have some level of, of favoritism, right? Even though they haven't, they don't have the the great record this year. And the Dolphins, you know, could potentially be the one seed in the AFC. You know, so it's like. You played the like really the hardest teams, so your your offense is never going to look as good, and your defense is never going to look as good in those situations. Um, I wonder too if you know once we get Seattle, and uh, in and both Giants games in Arizona, if people feel a little better. But you know you're still going to have to go through at least one of Dallas or San Francisco, um, and that's I think the scary part here is that you maybe are going to have to do it on the road now too. And it starts on the road this week, too, where the Eagles have not beaten Seattle since 2008. That is the number one test uh, moving forward this week is that the last time you beat the Seahawks was November 2nd, 2008. That was also the last time you beat them in Seattle. Um, But the Seahawks are on a rampant win streak against the Eagles that dates back to December 1st, 2011, all the way through uh, November 30th, 2020. It was the last time the Eagles and Seahawks played each other. Seahawks on a, let's see, two, three, four, five, six, seven game win streak against the Eagles. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think. Uh, Granted, most of that was with Russell Wilson at the helm as right. well in his prime. And now you're going to potentially be playing against Drew Locke, but still doesn't subside from the fact that Drew Locke can heave the ball down the field and you've got to be able to defend two all-world caliber wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I would also say, you know, where Seahawks defensively are really struggling too is is uh, run defense. You know, they they try, they traded for Leonard Williams to try and show that up and it hasn't really helped. Um, it's like a team that's in the bottom third on a lot of uh, run defense metrics. So if there's ever a week for a bounce back on that, you know, uh, aspect of the game, and I think a lot of people have been – uh, critical of the way that the Eagles have used the run game in the last few weeks. Um, if there's a game to have DeAndre Swift and maybe even Jalen, you know, get back into to good rhythm, I think this is the game. Yeah, and I mean, this is a game that, you know, the Seahawks aren't just going to, like, fold over and, and give in because they're fighting for their playoff lives as well, and you're going to have to really show that you're not, like mailing it in you're not you know just taking the Seahawks for granted and sure the Eagles have the easiest schedule remaining of any contender left the rest of the season by virtue of just record alone Um, because you look at who the 49ers have to play they still got to play the Ravens on Christmas Day the Cowboys have quite the stretch um, the rest of the regular season so you have like the ability to control your own destiny and you have to be able to show up on Monday Night Football prime time again uh, against an opponent who has had your number for 
over a decade and show that you can go on the road, beat a team that typically gives you trouble, and come out of this Seahawks game feeling good knowing that, you know, down the stretch you have Giants, Cardinals, Giants to close out the season. And I damn well know that you don't want fucking the the godfather mafia of Tommy DeVito coming into Lincoln Financial Field on Christmas and ruining Christmas either. Well, I, I got to say, you know, the Giants have been impressive in some ways. And could we talk about them as a fringe wildcard team, <laughs> you know? If, if things gonna shake the right way for them um, here with the next few weeks, so it's not, it's not impossible. They play the Saints this Sunday, who have looked awful, <sighs> just like totally despondent. So, could all of a sudden have, have more implications than uh, than you expect. Um, right now, the Giants are five and eight. I mean, it, it'd be a stretch, but right now, six and seven is making the playoffs <sighs> in the NFC. So. You know, and they have a tiebreaker over the Packers now. They could have a tiebreaker over the Saints after Sunday. Like, it's <laughs> – don't look now. Do the, does, does any coach – obviously, Frank Reich's been fired already, but does any other coach in the NFC South survive this season? I think Arthur Smith does kind of regardless of what happens. Um, Unless they totally – Yeah, they would – I think they'd really have to fall apart. But, um, yeah, I think I – think, I would be surprised to see the Saints stick with Allen, and I think it's hard to read, really, with the Buccaneers. It's just, it was kind of a weird gap year for them. Um, Todd Bowles is like more – he's one of these, like I think, better as a coordinator mm-hmm. than a, a head coach type of guys, and so I, I wonder if they make that switch. But they're kind of middling. They'll probably be a playoff team, and I don't know, you know, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> like um, – they're like a, they're at a weird stage where they're still like good enough because they have like older players that are just still very talented, mm-hmm. um, but clearly they don't have like a three or four year window after this. Um, so yeah, it's a weird gap year for them. So it's hard to judge, but yeah, maybe they make a move unless uh, you know, old Bill Belichick decides to follow in Tom Brady's footsteps. And- I would not. I would not want to hire Bill Belichick at all. Any circumstances. But what a report to fly out this week that uh, with four games left, the Patriots are going to be moving on from Bill Belichick, allegedly. You'll hear about him for Washington and mm-hmm. the Chargers, I think, all yeah. uh, all offseason. I think the, I think the biggest one is um, Ben Johnson, the uh, the Lions offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, like, the big prize this uh, this offseason for – I mean, he was already, like, people really wanted him last year. Um, so I think uh, a, a smart team. I think might want to take a look there. I think if you're a smart team, you take a look at the Eagles coordinators. <laughs> yeah, I think Joseph Desai is actually really good. Maybe uh, Brian Johnson, anybody? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, let's do just a B. Johnson uh, uh, switch. <laughs> just do that. It's like Bijan and Brian Robinson, you exactly. know? It's like the kind of the What's same the thing. difference? I mean, Brian Robinson's technically been better, actually. Yeah. So, uh, if you really think about it. And, I mean, does Arthur Smith really need to coach? I mean, he's the heir to the FedEx fortune. He's uh, just doing it for the fun. Yeah, he's honestly just there for the love of the game. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised. It, but, I mean, you know, like if they – I mean, this division is as winnable as a division mm-hmm. you'll get. Like, and they've they've really mucked it up on their own. Um, so, I, you know, maybe, maybe they do. But I, I just – I feel like he's got good security. Um. But, yeah, I mean, Eagles got to go into Seattle and, and really show that, like, hey, 
past couple weeks were not our best performance, and we can prove that we can bounce back. Uh, Jordan Mailata was on the big radio station in town uh, that just continues to churn out absolute ridiculous uh, tweets and everything, so that's why you should subscribe to Underground Sports Philadelphia instead so you don't have to deal with that bullshit that they're putting out there for you. Uh, but Jordan Mailata said that Brian Johnson like addressed the team after the 49ers game for his, like for lack of a better term, like incompetence in running the ball and, and the offensive scheming. Um, he said that he Jordan Mailata said that the offensive like game plan was a lot more fluid and smooth in the Cowboys game, but you can't have you know uncharacteristic fumbles and turn the ball over and expect to win. So we'll see if things you know continue to improve. But it really has like the past two weeks, especially felt like the offense has just been so like slow and like mechanical and the the way that the Eagles are just like waiting for things to happen down the field rather than letting them just early on in, you know, a, a play development happen and using the middle of the field, I feel like they need to use that more down the stretch to really, like, showcase that this offense is not as predictable as it's been. Yeah, I think that's been the kind of the question all year, though, is that this offense has not looked as good. You're going to have that when you lose Shane Steichen. Like, it's very clear that he was uh, very helpful in, in the, the way the Eagles played last year. Um we even talked about like Jalen's clearly like the knee injury is clearly worse than than they let on, and um, you know you can tell because he's still wearing the brace and um, you know just at the beginning of the year wasn't moving the way that he typically did, but that was he was mostly just avoiding contact. Mm-hmm. He looks like just uh, like maybe eighty percent of his of his normal self, which is just not it's not quite elite anymore, you know. And that's that's the uh, and I mean I think too, you know, someone brought this up. I, I thought it was interesting. The tush push is obviously great, like having that, but like, is there an effect too where that's like, it's a really punishing play, you know, like, and you just run it so often. Like, I wonder if you're seeing some just like some effects of the fact that he's been put into a meat grinder, you know, six or seven times a game at minimum, it feels like. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, I that, that was something I hadn't really thought about, but yeah, like that's. It's not an easy play, you know. Like mm-hmm. we make it, the, the Eagles make it look easy, and there's so many times where he just kind of crowd surfs. But there's also been times where it's like, man, he's just getting ripped apart, you know, in like a giant pile. I don't know. And it's funny you bring that up because Ian Rappaport tweeted today, uh, NFL executive and former Philadelphia Eagle Troy Vincent says that uh, at the league meeting, among other things, that the league will take a look at plays where the player fumbles through the end zone. Is it too punitive? Do we need to give them a chance again? It will be studied this off season. Followed up with on the tush push, brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Philly does it better than anyone else, but the sample size is too small to draw a conclusion. But it doesn't seem uh, they want to punish the Eagles for doing something well. So it seems yeah. like the tush push is sticking around uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, it was a thing last year. I don't remember it getting as much attention, and I'm sure, like I'm sure the Eagles have used it maybe more. But even then, I'm not totally sure. Like mm-hmm. I'd love to look at the numbers. But they talked about it this offseason, about changing it, and they, they didn't. So, like, people are, like, filling their diapers about this. It's like, you, the, the league already took a look at this. So, yeah, it's fine. The Whatever, other thing, too, know? is that the most notable player of our lifetime in the NFL, Tom Brady, in his run with the Patriots, they use that play all the time. Yeah, he was, like, known for always – like, he, like, never failed a quarterback sneak. I yeah, like it's that just, was his thing. Drew Brees did it all the time and used his lower stature – you know, because he's a shorter quarterback to his advantage. You know, 
so many quarterbacks have done it now all of a sudden uh, you know because Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey's podcast talks about you know the 92 percenters and talking about the play it gets amplified and I feel like that's the only reason people are like up in arms about it is because there's more like vocality to it yeah I guess and I think it's just it's kind of become the identity of this team in some ways too and I think what frustrates people is that you're like with a quarterback sneak and stuff like that. It's usually you might only see that once every few games. You're seeing this multiple times a game, and it just feels. And I think what's frustrating is that other teams, technically, nothing is stopping anyone from trying mm-hmm. this. But other teams, I've I've watched other teams do it, and they're just not as good at it. Right. And that's a personnel thing. It's a skill issue. <laughs> but it's you know, I I think that's part of it too. Is that it is such a distinct advantage that is technically available to everyone, but this team just does well. But as you know, we were talking about it earlier in the year, what, are you going to put ankle weights on Tyreek Hill? You right. know, like it's just, yeah, like players have advantages. You know, that's just how it is. Well, you're not going to let Patrick Mahomes do a sidearm throw, you know, like that when he scrambles and goes out of structure. Like you're not going to let Josh Allen just mow down people because he's just a massive human that can run fat. Like just what it is. Lamar Jackson, you're only allowed one fast twitch move on any of your scrambles because it's not fair that people, you know, just, yeah, people have advantages. That's the whole point of sports is finding, um, you know, those, those little on the margin stuff to get you to win. So, well, I mean, it looks like the, on the margins thing for the chiefs got taken away this week because Patrick Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid were not too thrilled with their best pals, the NFL referees. That was, I think crazy. The weirdest. I can't ever remember a team losing their mind so much over a call that really in the grand scheme of things is actually not, was not important and not that significant because you would think that this was like the AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. If that happens in the AFC championship game, I could see sure. the, especially in the heat of the moment, getting upset and, and really like venting. It was second down. <laughs> there was still over a minute left in the game. It's a regular season game, brother. Like you had, you had shots still, and yeah, he was. Here's the thing about offside. It is the most black and white binary thing that exists in all the sports that has an offside rule. You either are or you are not. There's no a little offside. It is you are or mm-hmm. are not onside or offside. That is it. That is it's just it's black and white. Is it? I think there's there's like two separate discussions that people are having. One is like, well, you can't call it. You can, though. That's the thing. It's been the rule. 11 times. Yeah. Like, and that's people who called 11 times. Yeah. That's okay. Like, that's. It, There's it, clearly been a point of emphasis. Right. Like, clearly they've talked about this. Like, they want to, like, ensure that this isn't, this isn't a rule. I think you can maybe have a discussion about, like, ticky tacky calls and, like, what place do they have in the game or whatever. And that's fine. You know, and I think you could call it, like, I've heard a lot of arguments about it this week, you know, and about like how there's a holding on every player. You could call pass interference on so many things, whatever. Like it, yeah, true. Like all of it is true. Like there is some subjectivity to this, but like, I don't know. Like I, at the same time, it was clearly a, it was an offside. Like mm-hmm. I, it really wasn't, uh, you know, any, anything to to me that was subjective. Um, you can debate about again, like refs blowing blowing the whistle for that throwing the flag for that i i don't know um maybe that's that's a separate discussion about maybe not litigating the game as much but also like where's the line then you know, like how offside can you be before it's it's a problem you know like sure he didn't technically gain an advantage from that play but i would argue that you do gain an advantage from mm-hmm. being offsides that's why there's an offside rule because it's so that you're not allowed it's 
if a defender was that offside, you know, like it's it's a problem, right? Like it's it goes both ways. So um, I was really shocked that that was Andy Reid. Andy Reid's reaction, especially to Crazy. like he's always been a pretty calm guy. Like I think that's one of his like mm-hmm. best known qualities. He seems like just pretty easygoing. Like and I, you've seen like um, him and like Mahomes and him and whoever quarterback him and whoever he's worked with throughout career like. Usually it's someone yelling at him, and he's just sort of like he's always feels like diffusing the situation. I watched the Netflix documentary, and when Mahomes last year in the playoffs like messed up his ankle, mm-hmm. he was like screaming at him. He's like, "Hey man, you know, like I just want you to get next right before you go back." You know, like he was like calmly explain. You know, it's just that's kind of his character. So it was a really bizarre reaction. And like, listen, Mahomes bringing up like that this was like affecting Kelsey's Hall of Fame career, or whatever. Like, just say that Taylor was there and it looked yeah. really fucking cool in front of Taylor Swift. You know, like you don't have to do this. And then like him in the hut, like in the post game, like huddle saying oh like God. this, that was the worst call he'd ever seen to Josh Allen. Like when you're shaking hands, like Josh Allen's like, yeah, bro, I fucking, I have the second best offense ever. And we're 500. I didn't <laughs> touch the ball in the AFC championship game. You prick. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> shut up. dude. I'm not interested in hearing about this. And then, the, th- the funniest part is, is like, as somebody who played one year of organized football, my freshman year of high school, they teach you at even lower levels of football. When you are a wide receiver, a tight end, whatever it may be, if you are like going out to receive the ball, you check in with the referee that is on the sideline and say, hey, Mr. F- like, it is your job to get their attention and say, hey, I'm on or I'm off. To which then the referee will either bump you up to be more on the line of scrimmage or bump you off. I found it hilarious that Andy Reid's reaction was what it was after the game. And then the next day or the day after when he had his uh, press availability says, yeah, Kadarius Tony never checked, uh, checked on the line of scrimmage with the referee. Well, that's the thing too, is like, listen, Kadarius Tony has had these mistakes in his life. <laughs> like famously in the Super Bowl last year lined up in the completely wrong spot <laughs> for his touchdown. So yeah, I mean, I, there's a, that's also the reason this is not called much because usually the wide receiver knows to do this, like to, to line up on side or at least check in. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It, it was a it was a bizarre thing. It was it was it was bizarre how just how much I think, and I'm not the first to think this, but I I really agree with this. I think a lot of Mahomes' frustration was I can't quite like yell about my team and about the wide receiver because like I still have to be with these guys. I think a lot of that was like frustration that he's had where he's played good this year, Mm -hmm. but he's been let down a lot by wide receiving. And I think that was just like frustration that boiled over in, and that was just his way now of like channeling that. I think, cause I don't think he was like about to fight someone on the sideline. He slammed his helmet into the ground. I've never, I've never seen that reaction. I, I just, I just have to believe personally that that was like, he really wanted to actually just beat the shit out of Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. but like he was able to channel it yeah. to, to like a ref. I I I, I really feel that that might uh might be the the truth here. Did you also see that uh, Chris Jones' pr- uh, post game press conference was cut short because ceiling tiles fell on a reporter in the media room? Uh, somebody quote tweeted it and said that uh, Kadarius Tony was trying to escape through the air vents. I wouldn't blame him. You know what's funny about Kadarius Tony is like. He like makes these mistakes and then he just sort of, like he never looks like he realizes that he messed up. You know, like yes. he never like he and which I guess 
in some way is good. Like they always tell you to have like a memory of a goldfish in sports because like you're gonna make a mistake, but like you can't think about it. I'm telling you, he has never thought about it. He never looks like he is like ah oh, shit. You know, like it's always like oh, I don't want... <laughs> what happened? Me? <laughs> oh what? <laughs> um, and I know it's terrible, but did you see the whole story from uh Sean McDermott that leaked this past week too? Oh, the nine eleven, the nine eleven stuff, yeah. and then all the the memes that have come through are just—I don't know how people think of them. Um, yeah, Muhammad Atta was let down <laughs> by his uh, coworkers too. So yeah, I couldn't. And that story was like from like four years ago or something. Which apparently, like, it had been brought up before, and he was like, "Yeah," <laughs> he sort of like hand waved it, and it just—it makes you think, though, like. A story like that making the rounds makes me think if I'm Sean McDermott, like they're trying to get me out of here. Yeah. Like it's someone. It, it's like that, that scene in Training Day, like where he's like, <laughs> someone's gonna be playing basketball in Pelican Bay, and it's it's Sean McDermott. Actually, I think is, you know, there's only there really is only one reason that something like that gets relitigated, yeah. and it's a player that's been there for a while and wants some change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, NFL this week should be quite the doozy was it weird to you too that last week was still bye weeks in the NFL? i don't understand that at all so from yeah, like a fantasy weird. football perspective i was like oh this is like some people's last week to like clinch a playoff spot and they don't have some of their best players yeah which i think it was only what it was washington and arizona yeah so yeah all those scary terry owners <laughs> yeah that, well i mean i think it's he's been better if he's on bye week yeah. because then you're not making the mistake of putting him in your lineup so uh, I can proudly say that my team showed up this week in fantasy football and uh, beat the shit out of my opponent, and we have won our division at 7-7, seven and seven, a negative score differential, and claimed the third seed in the fantasy football Amen. playoffs. You just got to get in, baby. I beat, um in my one league, I beat Mikey Ostrowski by uh, 30, a .30 points. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to lock up my division, and then um, in my other league, I beat... Uh, good friend Nikolai his wife we were duking it out for the uh top like number one overall seed and I, I beat her so I have a bye week in that one which always feels nice I uh I beat uh Zach Carbonara last week in my league to uh clinch my playoff spot and now I am playing uh good pal listener of the show Noah Papiano this week who I, I lucked out that uh, his quarterback was Justin Herbert, who's now done for the season. Now he's got to start. Not not that it's a, a walk in the park, but he's got Jake Browning uh, playing yeah. for him now instead of Herbert, and then he's got a couple other guys that are injured. And Like we said a couple weeks ago, sometimes you just got to go all in, and me trading for Lamar Jackson before the trade deadline was huge. Me trading for uh, Rashad White was huge, and then Dallas Goddard's back, and... I'm still torn on what wide receiver to start this week between DK Metcalf and Cortland Sutton, but I made the right decision last week because DK got tossed from that game. Yeah. So, which is the the best, man. <sighs> it's it's simultaneously the best and the worst. I haven't been in the playoffs in like 3 years, so it was so satisfying to like see that I clinched. Um also, I hope I I love that this week we have not seen a single New like report from Rapshi or Schefter about the non-players and coaches going on the field for the 49ers being suspended from their sidelines. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. They were fully on the field. That was uh, that was wild. Um, 
DK has that in him, which I don't think he has that reputation for nationally, but he's like sneaky, has done a lot of like, I think he has like six or seven personal fouls. like Which I saw like what started it, like Fred Warner like shoved him into the ground. Yeah. And then when the turnover happened or whatever it was in the game, uh, DK like slammed him to the ground. And apparently on Fred Warner's podcast, he said that he told DK that he tackles really well. And I guess DK didn't take too kindly to that, and that's what started everything. Um, but I haven't seen anything about 49ers personnel being suspended from the sidelines, which is why I think the Cowboys game should have a little bit of an asterisk next to it because it's the first game that Dom DeSandro was not on the sideline for in Eagles-Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's – yeah, I think you're on the side. valid. I'm cool with that. Um, but the NFL – and fantasy playoffs are here. And if you want to upgrade your fantasy smack talk, no better place to do it than with our pals at Trophy Smack. They've got trophies, belts, metal wall art, uh, turnover chains, rings, the whole nine yards to make sure that your fantasy leagues are covered. They also have last place trophies and last place uh, punishments available. Go to trophysmack.com slash underground. It's linked in the description. And upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. They were featured on Shark Tank. Mark Cuban, when he was still on Shark Tank, bought into them. Um, so go check them out. Trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. I also love that I'm in the three seed in my playoffs because that means I draw uh, the two seed if I end up winning and don't have to play Mikey in the playoffs unless it's the championship game, which is how it should be. Well, he told us at our draft league that I'm in with him that uh, we can all watch how a real man drafts. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, his team in my league uh, this year, he was the number one seed, went 11-3. and three. He's got Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalton Kincaid, Mike Evans. That's Along cool. with David Njoku, uh, Brian Robinson, Cooper Cup, Kyler Murray, Najee Harris, Jerry Judy, Jake Elliott, and the Steelers defense. Yeah, well, good luck. Uh, so... Let us know your uh, your fantasy playoff implications in the YouTube comments section. But let's uh, let's shift gears, Matt. It is the eve as we record this, but by the time everyone's listening, uh, it is the anniversary of Merry Cliffmas. When Cliff Lee decided to spurn the Yankees wow. and sign with the Philadelphia Phillies back in 2011, um, which I think Cliff Lee still to this day top five free agent signing. In Philly sports history, maybe? Yeah, I think, um, ironically, like three of the five that immediately come to mind are all Phillies. It's uh, Zach Wheeler, Cliff Lee, Bryce Harper. I think have to be in the, the top three. Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm top Jenkins. Five. And I guess I guess you would like kind of have to say Foles because of what he did. But like, yeah. it's really only the, it's only winning a Super Bowl. You know, but it's like. <laughs> It, you know, the Foles was never like a dominant player. Like he right. just happened to step up at a a critical time. Uh, it's not like Malone. it's not like it's not like Foles. Yeah, Moses Malone I think has to be uh, definitely up there because he was not just a great player, but also won a championship. Yeah, Moses Malone I think would have to be in the the top five as well. Some other big notable ones that I think are making the rounds and like by the end of their contracts could like Hassan Reddick could end up being one. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially if the Eagles are able to win a championship, like definitely would be up there. 
oddly enough, David Akers was a free agent signing. I did not know he was a free agent. Uh, I'd always assumed he had just been uh how, how kickers how often is it, you know, that like a kicker kind of becomes like like a big signing, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like And the Eagles have oddly had two of them. Yeah. David Akers and signing Jake Elliott off the Bengals practice squad. Yeah. Was all time. Um I mean, looking back through some of the the Sixers free agent signings. Um, I mean, at the time, it's not like an all-time one, but at the time, signing Robert Covington for that time period in 2014, like that was like the first process Sixer that could shoot a basketball. Yeah, he became like an impactful uh, guy, but never really. He he would be off my uh, off my list. Good guy, good player. But. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, have there have there ever? I'm trying to think of notable like flyers too, because I feel like there's got to be. A lot of the flyers in my lifetime have been post prime or usually. traded for. Yeah, or traded for. Um, I mean, it's just in general not easy to get free agents. Like, uh, unless, Danny Briere. Danny Briere, yeah. That's probably the one of our lifetime. Like Le Cavalier felt like a big deal, right? But that was very almost nominee. Awesome lot type territory. Right. It's just in general, you know, unless you're like New York or LA, you're not getting uh, big free agents. Speaking of Otani to, uh, to the Dodgers, and apparently they're on that. Uh, That's a money laundering scheme. Well, I saw a really funny clip where this is the only good use of AI that I've ever seen. And um, someone used like an AI tool to use uh, to recreate Leonardo DiCaprio's voice as Jordan Belfort. With the scene with like when they're talking about was all this legal? Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. And it was like um, talking about like how they gave Otani a seven hundred million dollar deal, but we're actually only paying him two million dollars. Like it was really funny. Um, that's insane. That can't be. I I just I don't know. The fact <laughs> that Otani allegedly agreed to this type of agreement because his off field endorsements cover what a which apparently he makes like 50 million a year in off off field which i mean he's so. like the face of new balance now well i, I always uh, the commercials always on and i'm always like he could have been fucking my guy <laughs> <laughs> i got new balances on right now uh, brother i would <laughs> i mean He's also there. The, the Dodgers have one of those money laundering uh, Atlanta Braves Foundation schemes too, yeah. because apparently he's giving one percent of his contract to the the Dodgers Foundation organization or whatever it is. Um, they're also meeting with Yamamoto, which also feels illegal. <laughs> I so I I heard about this thing. I didn't look into it, but apparently, Dodge the the they want to build a. Like essentially, like a ski lift gondola type thing to Dodger Stadium, and it's costing like five hundred million dollars. <laughs> no wonder they're deferring all of this. Yeah. Um. Okay, so this is an old article: a gondola from Union Station to Dodger Stadium. It could happen by twenty twenty two. Mayor So you know, like I imagine with most, it's the same as most cities where it's like it's always. Pipe it's, dream. Yeah. Well, it's always hard to anytime you want to do anything. There's yeah. a ton of um, a three hundred million dollar minimum gondola to Dodger Stadium. Why is Frank McCourt really pushing it? So yeah, that's just so you can see. It, it literally looks like those ones Holy you go up shit. like a mountain. I can't imagine. Could you imagine if that broke down? I just I can imagine. Yeah. Or the, 
are these things air conditioned? Because it's right. LA in the summer. It's gonna be hot. Right. Um, how are we? How, how is this working? <laughs> how is and why? How is this any better than just like a train? <laughs> like, I don't That's understand. Crazy. I also love it. Could, that. It could aim to ferry up f- to five thousand passengers an hour. Five thousand passengers an hour. That does not seem like that many. I don't know if I'm being no. stupid, but that does not seem like that many. Think. How many people would you say are on a typical, like, broad straight line? Like, on just one one subway car pulling right. in. Like, how, how many? I, I don't know how many people cram this. It's a few hundred, for sure, right? Yeah, like, on, a, on a busy day, easily. Like, if, if it's a work day or... Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, how many, like, you're going strictly to the game. Like, it's going all the way to Energy Station. Oh, yeah, And yeah. it's, like, everyone's pouring out for the game. It's... You're probably what I don't know, like three, four hundred people. Easy. And there's how many of those trains? Those trains come every seven, eight minutes, yeah. like for like, like the seven to ten minutes, probably. Especially, so like five thousand an hour, <laughs> brother. Just do a train. I don't. Think. It's Dodger a good Stadium. idea. There's a good idea to like have a new way of getting people around. And Dodger Stadium has a fifty-six thousand person capacity. So you're getting like. Not that many people. You're getting one, like, roughly, like, one-eleventh of the people an hour. An hour. <laughs> that just does not seem like it's worth it. I also love that uh, the the year that Otani's contract deferrals kick in, which is 2034, he's getting paid $68 million a year from 2034 to 2043, uh, is right when Bobby Bonilla Day ends. So we go from Bonilla Day to Otani Day, and... It's just a passing of the torch of contract deferrals. And if the, and apparently the Dodgers, too, I don't know if you saw this, they are allegedly trying to swing a trade for Tyler Glass now and Manuel Marco from the Rays. The Dodgers are single-handedly so going... in the first round. It's going to be oh, so funny when they lose I the can't first. wait. The Dodgers are single-handedly going to force a salary cap in baseball. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think uh, the owners would ever agree to it, but like it's going to get... Talked about. I mean, what there's the luxury tax. I, th- I actually think that that's. I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay. Like salary cap's fine. Like I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't. Sports that have it already, but um, I think a luxury tax is fine for a sport like this. Where it's like, yeah, you know, if you really want to go all in, go for it because it doesn't doesn't guarantee you anything. Like uh, now, having a salary cap in the NBA, I think is more important because the the players are so much more impactful. That if you could just. If you're the Lakers yeah. and you could just sign LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, like it's not, that's not fair. Like you are really hindering the sport. I think so. I'm okay with it. I, 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 I would hope that it doesn't go away. I think it's, it's, yeah. it's if teams want to spend, cool. But there's teams that have won not spending. You know, mm-hmm. for every team that has spent, like the Rangers, you get five hundred million dollars. There's teams that have done it on peanuts. You know, so. Also, congratulations to the Kansas City Royals for winning the. 2024 World Series as they signed uh, Will Smith in free agency because he's won the last three World Series championships. We got to wait for the the trade deadline because he could get traded and whatever team trades for him uh, is more than likely going to win the World Series. But um, now that the Otani domino has been tipped over, I feel like free agency will pick up a little bit once like the holidays are over. We might get one or two more like decent sized signings I think before Christmas and everything but now that that's done and over with I think now free agency is going to kind of snowball if you will into these other signings that 
could come across the board. And I've seen a lot of people, Matt, a lot of people linking Josh Hader to the Phillies. That would be – I'd be okay with Josh Hader. I, I think he's a little, little, little past it, but still a good reliever. Wouldn't love him as like our shiny closer toy, you know? Like right. he's he's not quite that guy anymore. Like two and a half years ago, I'm over yes. the moon, but he's just not – He's still only 29 years old, yeah. which he feels a lot older than that. But he could also, you know, give you someone that refines a little bit for him. He's never going to get back to what he was on the Brewers when he was just, but he, he went like two years without. Yeah. And then uh, like Matt Veerling broke him as soon which as he left the Padres. Hilarious. But maybe coming here will kind of reset the balance. I don't know. Um, I'm also, we obviously talked about this a little bit too, still very much on board with signing Hector Neris and bringing him back. I would definitely bring Neris back. Um. Also feels like the Phillies just need to find a left fielder, too, across the board, whether it's free agency or trade. I don't know where it will come, but I feel like that's the the last like hole they need to fill that seems kind of glaring so that Kyle Schwarber can kind of stay as your DH. Go and find a left fielder, wherever it may be. Um, I, I know a certain former Chicago Cub that's out there that could probably fit that role. His name is Cody Bellinger. Yeah. He's such a Colorado Rocky. It's not even funny. Absolutely, and he'll, he'll sound like he'll be there for like two years, and then because uh, he already kind of had like a better season last year, and then yeah. he gets two years out there, and then someone's gonna someone's gonna fall for that trap. I think uh, that's that's a Mets. It's <laughs> <laughs> a Mets bomb right there. Um, I can't. I also saw a very funny tweet that was like Otani's gonna play like eight years. Of uh, that Dodgers contract, and then the Mets are going to trade for him when he's at the tail end of his career, and then they're going to be stuck paying the $68 million a year on the deferrals. That'd be really funny. I just can't believe that. He's making $2 million a year. Unbelievable. Um, LA is an expensive city, baby. <laughs> $2 million. I don't know what you're going to eat. The, uh, the Sixers are. Back at a big win against the Wizards, a team that they should be beating and beating down on. Uh, nice win there uh, on Monday, 146-101. to 101. It's brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's 4.1% ABV, just 120 calories, only 8 grams of carbs. You can go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Finder to see who has it on tap in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania uh, areas in New Jersey and in Maryland as well. You can also get it at your local liquor stores and at the Wells Fargo Center. That's KenwoodBeer.com. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Sixers currently beating the Detroit Pistons 46-31. to 31. I also don't know if you've seen this, Matt, with the Pistons. Uh, Wingstop is giving away five free wings for every Pistons win, and they are currently on a 19-game losing streak. Pistons have been bad. The Cade Cunningham experiment has been uh, sad to watch. So I would take him. <laughs> I'd give Jaden Ivey. I'd talk to you. I would talk to you. I absolutely would. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Beats playing better than last year, and he's going to not have any shot at the MVP, and no one's talked about it. Yep. <laughs> Almost better that way, I think. Um, yeah, when it when everyone's been healthy and playing, this team is very good. And Kelly Oubre's been back and looking uh, healthy and recovered from whatever happened to him. <laughs> still, the, the, the mystery still remains, but um, yeah. It's uh, I'm not getting pulled in, but they've been uh, a very good team so far this year. 
this was a wild stat uh, that Basketball Reference put out after the the win against Washington for the Sixers. All 15 players on the Sixers recorded a point in Monday's win over Washington. It's the fourth time that 15 players have scored for the same team in an NBA game. And Matt, all four games have included the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. It, uh, it first happened April 24th, 2021, Sixers in Milwaukee. Then on two days later, April 26th, 2021, Oklahoma City and the Sixers. And then on April 28th, the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. And then this past Monday, it also happened with the Sixers and Washington. Well, I hope that this goes better than the 2021. <laughs> You're uh, telling me. Then, because that was truly one of the worst times of my life. <laughs> I've not been the same since. Sixers winning 48-33 right now about quarter of the way through the second quarter against the Pistons in Detroit. Um, I saw a tweet today, too, from uh, the Barstool Philly account. They said, who's a Philly sports athlete that should have played their entire career in Philadelphia but didn't? And then uh, the one and only Patrick Beverly quote tweeted and said, aye, aye, Captain. Yeah, probably. He feels like a guy that should have been here. Many, many years ago and been here most of, if not all of his career. Definitely fits the kind of energy where it's like a lot of shit talking and then it's never really done it in big moments. <laughs> he also just feels like a, like we've obviously seen him play from afar for a number of teams now, but him being here and like, obviously if you listen to his podcast with Roan, um, Roan being a Philly guy too, I think also helps it. Like Pat Bev just feels like the ultimate like teammate. Too, and I think that's helped this team in a lot of ways this year from just a, a leadership perspective. And sure, have Pat Bev's teams fallen short in the playoffs and in regular seasons in years past? Absolutely. Um, but he's also not like the star on those teams. And I think to have a teammate that is like pushing guys like Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey to be the, the absolute best that they can on any given night, I think that's been a, a huge boost from like a veteran leadership type of perspective in a year where you have a brand new head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, six are still hovering around that, that top four spot. They're 15 and seven could be 16 and seven by the end of the night, which same record as the bucks and the Orlando magic Celtics are 17 and five. Yeah. I think this, the Sixers have the best net rating in the NBA. Um, uh, I think it's from clean the glass, which like cuts out some of the, like garbage time stuff, um, and I've just looked really good. I think they've only lost one game with Kelly Oubre um, mm-hmm. as part of the lineup too, um, and that was the opening night. So, which they should have won. Should have won. So, this is a a good team. Oddly enough, you you can choose to watch them <laughs> and support them and invest emotionally into them. You can do that. You are allowed to do that. I. We'll watch them, but I'm not investing emotions in this team just yet. Three difficult games down the stretch of the rest of 2023, question mark, being <clears throat> the Heat on Christmas Day in Miami. I fucking hate the Heat. No Bam Adebayo. He's out for like a month. Heat are in trouble, man. Um, no Bam for an undetermined amount of time. And uh, they're already kind of on the fringes of playoffs. Of course, they're going to win on Christmas now that I said that, but... Yeah. 
and then you have at Orlando two days later. And then and you even have the Wolves. The Timberwolves you know, a... is the other game that, shockingly enough, they are best team in the Western Conference. I mean, that's what happened. We didn't have Anthony Edwards, a guy that just felt like he was primed to explode and has had a, a pretty big leap this year. Um, shockingly, Rudy Gobert is like playing like a defensive player. <laughs> it's it's kind of unbelievable. I just and in uh, two days is when guys who are signed this summer can be traded. So we're gonna. Expect to hear a little bit more about uh, trades and roster moves. You've you've heard a lot of bubbling about the Bulls and things mm-hmm. like that, but you know once once that that deadline hits December fifteenth, um, you're probably going to hear a lot more concrete stuff and like hear some different names. We uh we don't talk about it enough too. Getting off that PJ Tucker contract was such a blessing. Yeah, I mean honestly, it's kind of crazy that that trade has worked out as well as it has for the Sixers. You know. Like it's crazy in the beginning part with when we traded Ben that we ended up getting Harden and that was that was honestly a win mm-hmm. and we've somehow compounded that into another win. I it's don't really understand. It's it, crazy but. what having like non superstar depth does for your roster. Yeah, you know to have guys that can just play and score that aren't necessarily like me guys, but they are guys who can come off the bench and provide valuable minutes for you. Kind of keeps you in the top four of your uh, of your respective conference, and you know, right around the one seed, if you will. Um, I'm just terrified with the Wolves being as good as they are. What that Timberwolves Brazil account is going to unleash upon us? One, when they clinch the playoffs, and two, what diabolical AI generated Timberwolf videos are going to come from any playoff victory? Yeah, a lot of those things are like fetish stuff. So yeah, that's good. Or bad, I don't know. Indifferent. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm indifferent. I don't like it. it no, it bothers. It bothers me in a way that I can't quite describe. I did see the official Timberwolves account reached out to them and sent them like a whole bunch of shit too, which was just very funny playing into that bit. Um, speaking of team that Matt's not emotionally invested in, but I'm ki- I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting there, Matt. Flyers are good. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. I'm not saying I'm in, but they are making quite an interesting case to be uh, good vibes, which if you put that on our bingo card at the beginning of 2023, we would have called you crazy. But, I mean, they're going to, to overtime with teams that are our playoff teams. They're winning games against teams like the Avalanche by multiple goals. I don't know what it is. I don't know what John Tortorella has in in this team having balls, as he says. But I mean, it it feels like the Flyers are at the trade deadline could be in the mix to be buyers rather than sellers. Which, again, you tell us that at the beginning of this season, we would have called you crazy. Sure, <laughs> I'm not doing this. I'm just not doing this with the Flyers. I'm not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> One They're of... never they are never getting me back. I like <laughs> the Sixers are like we're on we're on really, really rough terms. The Flyers have the like we're divorced and I changed my name and moved seventeen <laughs> states away. I have no clue who that is. I don't want to know who that is. 
What would it? What would it take? Is there anything? I like. I'm being genuine. If the Flyers were like won the Stanley Cup, I don't even know how. Like, I would feel happy. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I would watch the playoffs. I don't. But I would not feel any kind of like real emotion. Like honestly, like, if I'm thinking about it, I'd be like, I wouldn't be like celebrating. I don't even like if they're in like a in the Stanley Cup. I'm not staying up for the full game. I'm staying up until it's like my bedtime. Like, well, I'll see what the score is when I wake up. Honestly, like I they, that is the level that they would be on for me. I just I can't can't do it. Can't do it. They uh they lost to Nashville on Tuesday, three to two. Um, but Nashville again is like Stanley Cup esque team this year. Um, they host the Capitals on Thursday, host the Red Wings on Saturday, and then they are back at it on the road. Uh, weird scheduling there, where they go home home and then up to New Jersey to then come back home on Thursday uh, against Nashville again so you get another shot at them but they're playing good hockey they are 15 10 and 3 and they are one of four teams yes one of four teams in the Metropolitan Division with a positive goal differential and the second best in the division only behind the Islanders or I'm sorry behind the Rangers Um, Islanders jumped them in the standings a little bit this past week, but they're tied points-wise with 33. So we'll see if it keeps chugging along. But, I mean, for them to be playing at a winning level at this point in the season, the past five, six years has been unprecedented. So good on them to to keep it chugging along, and we'll see what happens with the Flyers uh, the rest of 2023 and into 2024. Um, But that's all we got for you guys. Make sure you're following us at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. Leave a five-star review. It goes a long way for helping us reach more milestones on the audio platforms and of course subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia we're at 668 subscribers looking to get to 700 or more by the time the ball drops on new year's eve so keep subscribing be a friend tell a friend smash that like button ring the bell icon and comment down below your thoughts on everything matt and i discussed on the episode tonight uh, be sure to get your merch at phiapparel.co, code underground, for 10% off your order. And, of course, this podcast is presented by the city of Vineland. And whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. And their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. A big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. It's been episode number 594 of Underground Sports Philadelphia for Matt and KB. Till next time, let's go, Birds. Hopefully a big-time Monday night football win. We'll talk about that game next week. Until then, we are signing off. Peace. I need those
Bye.